Hey prosers, welcome to another episode of Behind the Pros, episode 45 that is. In this episode, I talked to Adam Rothstein, who I discovered earlier in the year when I was really on my getting up in the morning and trying to stay on top of the humor sites. And I found him when I read one of his pieces on McSweeney's that I just loved. So I reached out to him and he was gracious enough to book the interview like right away and then stuff went crazy for me and I couldn't produce the interview until this weekend. So here it is and I hope that you enjoy it. I know I enjoyed talking to him and I actually Skyped with him so I wouldn't talk over him like I usually do but that actually caused more problems Um, and so the editing took a little bit longer because of that. Nevertheless, I think it's pretty good. You listen to it and let me know what you think about Adam Rothstein. Okay, so today on Behind the Pros, I am so happy to have with me a comedy writer that I have been internet stalking, Adam Rothstein. Welcome. Hey, thank you. How's it going? It's going good. And we actually, this is the first time I'm Skyping well with the person so I can see Adam's face. I think he has a guitar behind him. This is not my room, but it's... Oh, but. <laughs> that is a guitar, though. Nobody has a guitar, right? Oh, yeah, there is a guitar behind Okay, me. good. Yeah, but it's good. So now I won't talk over him like I have a tendency to do with people, as you know, if you listen. So thank you for joining me and thank you for Skyping with me. Yeah, of course. So I found you, you know, I I write humor as well, and I, I read what's on McSweeney's. And the first piece I saw of yours was last year when you did the, um, the wait, I have the title here, A Regulation of Dopamine During Social Media Use in Adolescent Rats. And I was like, what the world? So we'll talk a little bit about that. Um and then, you know, I started looking at some of your other stuff and you're very, you're prolific and you're doing a lot of things with copy editing. So I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about your craft and how you work some of the humor pieces that you've been getting published. Yeah. So that first one, that was the first piece I had gotten in. It was a nice, um, like, I, I mean, I've submitted to McSweeney's probably like 20 times before that and gotten rejected mm-hmm. over the years. So that was a fun, um, like, in lesson. Like, I ended up with that one. Um, I was a neuroscience major undergrad. So I, you know, like, I guess some of the advice I had been given was, like, right, well, you know. And I was like, well, I want to write comedy. Like, there's no relevance. Um, and so I ended up, like, thinking of that. And I had, like, a little bit of a background to be able to kind of, to, to play around with that idea. I think a lot of people, when they saw that, were very confused why it was on McSweeney's, and then they were like, oh, wait, that says rat at the end. That's not real. <laughs> um, um, so you said a few things that I'm neuroscience undergrad. Hold up, hold up. We didn't even get there yet. <laughs> How does that happen? Um, but before we get go down the, the road too far with this piece, I want to back up then to Wesleyan because you graduated from there. And so you majored in neuroscience. Yeah, I was, um, uh, my older brother was just going to med school and I always, 
I liked science. I thought maybe I wanted to be like a psychologist, um, which I think as I, as I like go through this whole writing thing, like I'm finding more and more overlap between people who want to be therapists and people who want to be writers. Um, one of the, like the writer in residence at Wesleyan while I was there is this writer, Amy Bloom, and she worked as a therapist for like 10 years before she wrote a bunch of really successful books. Um, and so I was doing that and uh, uh, I was doing psychology, I guess. And I kind of, the like competitive part of me wanted to do neuroscience because it seemed like the more, I don't know, scientifically rooted version of that. Um, so I did that and then I did some research for like four months and I was like, this is horrible. Um, hmm. So I, I totally pivoted and haven't really looked back. So how do you keep track of your ideas for jokes? Do you keep a notebook with you during the day? Yeah, I, I, I usually, since I'm usually around a computer, I'll usually um, open a Google Doc. I'll start something. Um, this is particularly true. I, I submit to like a, a women's satirical website called Reductress. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and specifically for that, I'll keep like a Google Doc open. And it honestly is usually over the course of a month. And then as ideas strike, I'll add them into that Google Doc. And then, you know, four or five, six weeks, I'll kind of do like a roundup of everything I've written there. And then I'll pitch those 10. Um, I'd say there's a, a little bit of iPhone notes. When I used to do stand-up, I would use an actual notepad in New York. Um, I don't do that anymore, um, I guess, just because I, I'm writing, like, you know, less long bits or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, Google Doc for me is is pretty clutch. Do you – and so you've written for Reductress. You have uh, quite a few on there. And I've had a couple on there. They have a very unique voice. Do you find yourself writing towards a site in general, towards their the site's voice, or do you just go with an idea and then think, oh, where am I going to send this and tailor it? I think I think definitely. I I think I've tried to. I when I try to half-ass it by doing perhaps like the other way, like if I'm submitting to Reductress and I'm like scrolling through my tweets and I'm like, mm, what can I turn into a Reductress article from here? It never works. It's more like it is mo- It is mostly that other scenario where it's kind of like, oh, I had this idea. It would only work on Reductress because it's, it's got that really specific like um, tone. And also I think, and also as I was saying, like I think nothing I would ever pitch to Reductress would have any shot at McSweeney's. Like there's so I wouldn't say one is highbrow and one's lowbrow, but um, I think Reductress seems maybe lowbrow, but it's like rooted in this like really deep understanding and like uh, like of just having consumed so much like garbage from all sorts of places and everyone's just like frustrated. And so, um, so one of the things I've always thought about with Reductress is that so much of them are like um, articles that really like men have like no place tweeting you know or, or <laughs> writing so I try to like know my place on that website and like I mean they do like a real they do like a lot of really awesome stuff about like sexual assault and mm-hmm. like 
sexism um, and it's just like doesn't work when it's coming from someone named Adam, you know. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> if my name was Pat or um, I don't know another andro- an androgynous name, um, mm-hmm. so I just sort of I try to like stick with their because they have sort of expanded to like an onion esque type tone, and so a lot of the stuff like doesn't necessarily have to do with like um, gender, and I can kind of. I feel like more comfortable like writing jokes and articles like in that arena because I'm there's just stuff I'm not you know it's none of my business it's not my place to even try to write. <laughs> um, um, how long does it take you to write? How, usually write it. So let's let's be specific. Um, let's talk about the um, we've talked a little bit about the earlier the piece um, on McSweeney's regulation of dopamine during social media use in adolescent rats. <laughs> um, how long does it take you to write? Did it take you to write that piece? Me usually like I'll get inspired and I can sit down and write like a draft of it in an afternoon, um, mm-hmm. and then I'll usually come back to it like five or six times and tweak it. Um, and then what I usually do is I like you know from college and like that college humor internship I have like like a big group of people that I will share on the Google Doc and I'll like get notes from before I send it in anywhere because I'm just kind of like you know it's like i'm just trying to make it like as best as it can be before the most important person reads it i guess mm-hmm. um, which is like a strategy i definitely do with the screenwriting out here also where like it goes through like rounds i put people into like little circles of what round they get things in <laughs> and, interesting uh, so like that's cool you know if I fin- yeah so if i finish something like i'm gonna send it to like my peers obviously well before I'm going to send it to like, you know, my friend's boss who is, who I, you know, who I'm really grateful and excited that he's going to spend time reading something, mm-hmm. you know? Hmm. Interesting. Uh, yeah. So I sort of do that like across the board. Um, About how yeah. many rounds do you think a piece gets? Well, I mean, Sweetie's piece, um, th- this one, this was like a, and I wonder if this is like a trope or like a trite thing to say about writing, but that is, that first one was something that I honestly probably, there's been other things I've written in an afternoon and it's fine, but that one actually, now that I'm actually thinking about it, I think I started like six months before I ever actually submitted it mm-hmm. um, and just gave up on it. I gave up on it a few times and was like, I don't really understand where this is going. This is, I don't know if this is working. And then I just like came back to it months later and was like, oh, I really like this idea. Like, I wish I could just figure out what it needs to be. Um, and then I, you know, eventually I guess I landed on some kind of version that, um, that I was happy with. So it's written in the form of a um ex- of the results of like a, a scientific experiment. And as we know, you've studied that form in um, college being neuroscience, a major. So was it kind of second nature for you to put it in this form or did you have to kind of go back and look at voice to try to match some of the um, scientific or academic tone that's in this one? 
think I did like a, a tiny bit of just you know so much of my senior year of college was literally like writing things like that split up into that format like analysis mm-hmm. um, you know uh, abstracts like those sections and I did that for a while obviously with much drier content um, and. <laughs> I think it, no, yeah, it was pretty second nature. Like I probably maybe reviewed one other piece of scientific literature and then I was like, oh, right, this is how they do it, uh, the methodology or whatever. And then um, and then the other thing that's interesting about that is even if there was a moment where I was like, well, actually, you wouldn't really put this here, you know, you would put it there. And then I kind of had to check myself and be like, you're, no one reading McSweeney's is going to have any idea. <laughs> like, what the... <laughs> what's the like scientific yeah. protocol for stuff is. But I will say that I did, I did get an email after writing that piece from a PhD student at university of California, San Diego. Wow. Who was not happy with the way that I portrayed um, dopamine regulation in the brain. He found it very misleading and <laughs> he thought it gave, he thought it gave uh a like a cursory and incomplete view of of how that how the brain works in that way and um yeah i just said oh it's a satire piece <laughs> yeah it's a satire. that's what's in the article on reductress they were talking about how the emails that they get and people don't realize that it's satire like the- yeah <laughs> which like really um, tends to be half the fun Exactly. Uh, So this, I'm scrolling through here, and I've, uh, I'm not going to read a lot of the, the, read the pieces or some of the lines out, um, because outside of them, outside of the piece, it's kind of like, like the whole dissecting a frog analogy or something, you dissect Mm -hmm. it and the frog dies and something else, I don't know the rest of it. But yeah, uh, yeah. I know my friend actually just quoted that last night. <laughs> I heard like, it the other day too, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that's a good one." And now I can't remember. Yeah. It. <laughs> yeah. But you do have some lines in here that I will um, that I that I really that I really loved, um, and one of them is most of the rats cited feelings of emptiness after the experiment and made half-hearted pledges to abstain from social media in the future. And I thought that was very smart because it's something that I think every, well, in my mind, I think every reader could identify with this. I mean, and the other thing, like, uh, regardless of like the scientific component is that like, as a comedy writer, so much of my energy goes into posting things on Twitter and Facebook and um, and like getting the gratification of positive feedback and, and likes and stuff like that. And yeah, it's something I just noticed where it's like, it's, it's not it, like, it's exciting at first, but it's like, you just always kind of want more like this, like crazy drug. It's just not a sustainable, like, you know, form mm. to like keep yourself inspired or excited. Yeah. I don't know. It can just be kind of exhausting. Hmm. Um, on your um page i see you tweet a lot how do you do you do, you, do you, i don't know if i should ask if this is revealing your secret or do you schedule them are you doing this live or is it both no it's totally uh donald trump style self-indulgence 
thought thought pops up and then thought goes into Twitter. <laughs> um, uh, although many fewer people uh, have to have to like um, hear every thought that pops into my head, though, than with him, I suppose. <laughs> Well, uh, it's a whole other story. Um, yeah. And then the next piece on Mix was this one that I, after I followed, because I started compiling a list of like humor pieces and like the different forms and the writers and kind of looking up people. So the next one was the um, a more detailed breakdown of your recent psychotherapy invoice. And so I question for you on that one is where did the idea come from and how did it end up taking the form of looking like an invoice? So, yeah, this is, I, now, you know, I haven't actually even really thought about this, but when um, both of those pieces are pieces, you know, I know, I know I was very quick to say, Oh yeah, I write it in an afternoon and then edit it. But both of those pieces that actually got accepted <laughs> were multiple months projects. Like, I found that piece. I found that piece like a few months ago. I think from 2015, saved in a Google Doc. I had also mm. given up on it, and I guess I was just being mm. like very hard on myself, and I didn't think I was getting it right. Um, and I found it like a few months ago, and I was like, "Wait, did I ever submit this? Like, I actually think this was kind of funny." Um, and then I like searched through my Gmail to see where I had submitted it, and I was like, "Oh, I n- I never submitted this anywhere." Um, and so, and that one, um, was sort of, that one definitely came from sitting in a lot of therapy and talking and just kind of being like, Oh God, like, what does this person think of me right now? Um, like, you know, just to try to imagine what it would be like to be a therapist. And I could totally see myself sitting there day after day and be like, all right, enough. Like, (laughs) um, It's the same shit every week with you. <laughs> um, so that's where that came from. And then, you know, like the the like the insurance system, as we all know, is like such a nightmare. So I used to have to collect the invoices and submit them to the insurance company to get like reimbursed. Um, and I would always get the invoices and what they do is they put they'll put like your diagnosis or something and then like the amount that it costs. Um, and I just kind of thought of those two things, what is my therapist thinking of me and how it comes in that form. And I was like, wouldn't it be funny if he wrote down all the annoying shit you talked about while, and, and, and how much that contributed to the inflated cost. Um, I thought that one was great. I, I loved the, uh, when I accidentally yawned, but it turned into a cough, negative $2 <laughs> or a credit of $2. <laughs> yeah, well, I, Again. Had, I, had a bunch of, <laughs> I had a bunch of stuff of the therapist being like, um, you know, making a mistake. You know, they're only human, right? And like, they're tired and this is work for them. So it's like, I had a bunch of stuff like that. And I think originally I had like $0 cause I was like, well, he can't charge you for that. Cause like that was his bad, you know? Um, and I think I shared it with a friend and they were like, you know, it should be negative. Like he should give you money back for that shit. (laughs) Um, (laughs) This is hilarious. So yeah, that one was really fun. And then it's, um, it's, I mean, I guess both of those have sort of been like psychology 
flavored, I suppose. Um, hmm. So I, I, I guess I'm carving that niche for myself as as I go mm-hmm. along. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So did the McSweeney's editor um, come up with the idea for it to look like an invoice? Or did you? You know, I sent that to him in the chart form. And then huh. I said, and, and I said, and I said to him, I know it's, I mean, yeah, if everyone who's been on the site knows that it's, it's not like college humor. There's not a lot of images. Like it's, it's pretty straightforward, you, you know? So I said, I don't know if you can even publish this um, like this, because I know like the, the way the website's set up, I'm not sure if it'll allow for that. And then he surprised me by saying like, if you can get this to a high res, whatever, you know, I can, I can post it like that. And I said, great. And I asked one of my coworkers who's like a graphic designer to do that for me during work. And she was like, um, and I was like, you can do it after work. (laughs) Just do it. (laughs) I was like, I'll buy you coffee tomorrow, please. (laughs) Um, Hmm. Interesting. I didn't even realize it was a graphic. Oh yeah. It's it's like a, and wow. And the first one I sent was was too low res or something. He's like, can you can you make the pixel width? And I was like, I'm already lost. So I'm going to forward <laughs> this email to my my graphic designer friend. Um, <laughs> yeah. So. Wow. Cool. Yeah, I haven't seen do too much stuff like that. And, and I'm just going back to the the dopamine one, did that one always start out as a experiment form piece or how, or how, if it didn't, how did it change? Yeah, that one always, um, the, the idea was to always sort of like mimic a scientific research paper. Um, and I think um, from the, that was probably one of the first things I established with that one was that I wanted it to be, broken up into abstract methodology um, results and analysis. Um, I think it was just a matter of figuring out what I wanted to happen in the experiment or something. You said that you send things around to, you know, a select group of people, you have certain number of rounds um, and then within that, or even before that, you have yourself where you're critiquing what it is. As you just said, you put a piece away for a while, like, oh, I don't think this is funny. And then you're like, oh, wait, or it's not, or it's not working. And you're like, oh, wait, it does work. Um, how do you balance the, I guess, or do you have an internal moment, a gut check moment where it's like, oh, yeah, I know this, this is working despite what someone else might say, or do you always defer? No, I, I mean, I think I do, but it's, there is a gut check thing. And I think this is true with like tweets and Facebook posts also where I'll wake up in the morning and I'll say, Oh, I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to put this on Facebook. I think this is funny. And, and a lot of, you know, and it'll get a lot of, get a lot of positive attention, but, it can be hard to know, like some things that I send in um, get rejected from every website. And I'm like, oh, I thought that was funny. And then I guess, no, I, I don't know if my own personal opinion stands that much ground. I think I'm, 
unfortunately get pretty influenced. So like if something gets rejected from everywhere and then I reread it, I'm like, yeah, it wasn't that good, I guess. Um, yeah. As opposed to being like, this was brilliant and I stand by it. Um, and I think it works in the other direction where I'll be like, this is kind of dumb, but like I'll send it in and then it gets mm. accepted and I'm like, oh, that was, yeah, actually that was really good. And it's like, I, <laughs> the, it's tough not to let the like external validation, like guide your own perception of your writing, you know? Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I had more independent confidence, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think like when you write things to share with other people, you're sort of really inherently attached to its reception. Mm -hmm. Um, if I was like a torture artist in a cabin in the woods and I never shared my writing, maybe I would be able to hold stronger opinions in a vacuum, but. I don't know. I'm a I'm a slave to the internet and other people on the internet. <laughs> Do you have a favorite piece out of the ones that you've gotten published so far? Um, there's a piece um, that um, I wrote for College Humor, like one of the first pieces I wrote for College Humor that I always like was one of the first things I send for people, which is um, text messages from your crippling anxiety. Um, oh yeah, I read that. <laughs> And I really like that one um, because mm-hmm. it's like such a simple concept, um, and that's always like a really like nice, you know, when you're getting in your own head about like what's funny or what's like you know a complex idea. It's like it can be really refreshing if something really simple is just good enough, you know. Mm-hmm. You're mm-hmm. like, okay, well, like, yeah, it's just like what if your phone was texting you all the things that your brain was telling you while you're doing things, you know. Um, so I think that one probably stands out. Um, I'd say for reductress, I really like the um, the meat cute one I wrote because mm-hmm. I feel like that was the most on brand because it did have to do with like dating and kind of like those the way that like romance is. I was about to say romance is romanticized. Um, the way that like. Those, <laughs> Romantic moments are are like yeah. put on a pedestal or whatever. Yeah. Um, I want to thank you for joining me today. I have like a million other questions. I'm like, this cannot be a two hour show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, this is my yeah. This is this is a a great experience. Thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward to reading more of your work. Um, I do have a final question for you. What is your neuroscience superpower that makes you a strong comedy writer? If you had to take one thing from studying neuroscience, what's that superpower that transfers over to your writing? Um, uh, That's a great question. My neuroscience superpower. Um, I think maybe. Hmm, I wonder if it's sort of just like understanding hmm, the way people think, or um, you know, maybe it's maybe maybe it's like distancing yourself from um, like the things that go on in your head um, or like your mind because when you study those kind of things 
they're all like really personal experiences for your whole life. And then in those like academic schools of thought, um, they're turned into like things in a textbook, you know? So it's like, Oh, I always, I always feel that way. Like I always feel that way. Um, whenever this happens or that happens and it's like your own personal experience. And then you like get into a classroom setting and you're like, Oh, you know what that's called? Like that's called this and that's happening because of this. And I think maybe the superhero is like being able to like distance myself from my thoughts and my mind and be able to like write. And I think when you're able to like distance yourself from stuff, you can, you can like write comedy about it and poke fun at it and like examine it in interesting ways. So I, I think that would be it. Sweet. Thank you. Good luck with the pilot. Yeah, thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. Bye. You've been listening to an MFA in an MP3. Behind the Pearls music is by UK artist Redvers West Boyle. You can find him on SoundCloud and you can find me on Twitter at Behind the Pros. If you want infrequent email from me, please text the word pros to the number 22828. The show is hosted and produced by Keisha Whitaker, that's me, from a clothis. That is an office inside a closet in Pennsylvania. Until next time, listen, learn, and write.